You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're taking off the pre-orders box from the Reading Glasses Challenge and talking to literary agent Dong Wan Song. But first, what are, we, what are you reading, Bria? I just finished a comic that I thought was really interesting called... Prism Stalker by, I I read the first trade, uh, Prism Stalker by Sloane Leung. So the book is basically about a a young girl who is living on a planet and she gets recruited to go to this new planet to sort of explore the, the weirdness of this new planet and the things on this new planet. And they recruit people and basically throw them to the wolves the metaphorical wolves. There's no the real alien wolves. wolves, but there are aliens. There's so many aliens, so many. Aliens. Um, and it's interesting because it it touches a lot about displaced people. She was already um a displaced person, um, a refugee from another planet. She had been separated from her family for various reasons, and so then she gets further pushed away. So it's sort of about her dealing with her identity of identifying with this specific planet, and then she meets people from that same area. I don't know if they're from that same planet and like how they don't exactly accept her. Anyway, it's just a really fascinating book. It deals a lot with stuff like that. And then also it's like being in a crazy acid trip. The book is like these bright pinkish blues with these beautiful, huge landscapes of like melting mountains and these creatures that are like beyond anything my imagination could ever come up with where it's Weird. just like, oh, that's a that's a living thing. Like the way that Whoa. like they're designed and stuff. But yeah, I really thought it was, it's it's a really weird book, especially if you're into like that kind of art and you're interested in sort of, in comics. Um, just, I think it's just like an interesting book for people who are getting into comics. Wow. Yeah. What are you reading? Uh, so I am reading a book called Golden Grove by an author uh, named Francine Prose. And it is, so it's basically about this, girl and her big sister and they live in this like small town on a lake and it's like one of those towns where like the book is in modern day but because of the location of the town I think it's in upstate New York they don't get great cell phone service so they're like the only town in the country where like not a lot of teenagers have cell phones and her sister is this incredible singer and she's going to go to college except and no spoilers this is happening in the first chapter her sister drowns. Mm. And so her little sister, who's the main character, she ends up having to deal with the loss of her sister. And she's like, she feels like she's the ugly duckling sister. Like her big sister was like the gorgeous, beautiful one with a very handsome boyfriend. And she's just like the, like the dorky science loving nerd sister that was like playing second string to her. So her sister passes away. She has to deal with that. But then her sister's boyfriend starts showing interest in her. And like, so it's all her reckoning with loss and adolescence and like relationships and dealing with her family and it's like it's really really good so far yeah. uh, so that's Golden Grove by Francine Prose and Prism Stalker by Sloan Leung so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback Joanna wrote in with a great reading tip uh they say, this feels obvious, but I just discovered this is a great way to find book recommendations. A lot of libraries, especially ones that use Biblio Commons for their catalogs, have staff curated lists on their homepages. Right now, for example, Seattle Public Library is featuring lists of new African-American teen fiction, books related to Madame Butterfly because a local playhouse is doing a production of it, and new audiobooks to listen to when you're stuck in, stuck in traffic because of the new downtown tunnel, among many others. <laughs> I love that the lists are so specific, so it's a good way to break out of a reading slump or find something surprising. P.S. When referring to something one of you has said on the podcast, my first instinct is to say, oh, my friend Mallory recommended or my, <laughs> or my friend Bria told me about. Thanks for being in my ears. That's extremely cute. Um, just so you know, the L.A. 
Public Library does the same thing. And on their page, they have Marvelous Comics. So it's comics. These are all digital things, by the way. I'm looking at the digital stuff. But Marvelous Comics. They have Hollywood biographies and memoirs, L.A. stories, fiction. Like, very, like, specific to, like, the town you're in, which I think is really cute. Justina wrote in uh, with a snack tip. Thank you. I heard your AMA episode and and have an idea for a collective noun for snacks. A craving of snacks. I love it. It's so good. So good. I, just, I have a craving of snacks here for you if you want to look through. a craving for your craving. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, look through this craving of snacks and see if there's anything you'd like. Amazing. And then Scott wrote in with a wheelhouse, which is space opera, mm-hmm. police drama where their lead character is a strong woman. Great. Biographies of film and recording artists, urban fantasy action adventure, harem space fantasy, (laughs) young adult book series like Harry Potter and Hunger Games, and then adult versions of child stories like The Wicked Saga, Dorothy Must Die, the Lily Harper series. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So you can always email us your wheelhouse at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. I have a bookmark. As it turns out, I don't need reading glasses. I don't know if y'all are keeping up with this saga. This is a saga. I don't need reading glasses, but I did need a stronger prescription in my contact lenses. And I, mm. they think I will need reading glasses soon. So keep up with that. I bought those reading glasses. I still have them. I'm just going to keep them until I need them. How about that? How yeah. about that as a bookmark? It's always good to have a, uh, some reading glasses in your back pocket. Also, <laughs> if you are a San Diego listener, tomorrow night there is a live reading glasses episode at... Mysterious Galaxy Mm -hmm. in San Diego, which is a sci-fi fantasy bookstore. Uh, I am on book tour right now as you're listening to this. And me and Bria are going to do a live reading glasses episode to promote it. So come on down and hang out with us, San Diego. Come on down. It's going to be super fun. Uh, So before we take off another box of the 2019 reading glasses challenge, we're going to take a quick break. Bria, you know what's a really important part about being creative in the 21st century. Tell me. Having a website. That is so true. You know what the first question I always ask people when I want to hire them or look at their stuff is? What's your website? What's your website? It's really important. I'm going to tell a side story, even though this is an ad, which is that uh, I'm casting a movie right now. And honestly, I go and look at the actors' websites. And if they don't have a website, I'm a little lost about where to go find their their like their stuff, their information, and all their videos. Yeah, I do the same thing when people want to interview me about my book. They mm-hmm. want to come on the show as mm-hmm. a guest. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically like you. Who are you if you don't have a website? Yeah, exactly. Um, and where can you make a, a wonderful, wonderful website? Squarespace. Uh, So Reading Glasses is supported in part by Squarespace. And with Squarespace, you can create a beautiful website to turn your cool idea into a website, blog publish content, sell products and services, or make what make your own website of yourself so you can be in my movie or come on reading glasses. <laughs> exactly. And so what does Squarespace have that makes it so good? Um, all sorts of things. I mean, what I love about it is the customizable templates because I'm that's a big fan of me as well. too. You, and you can switch between the templates really easily, which is really fun. And you can test them out and see what looks the best for you. Yes. I just redesigned my website, MalloryOmera.com, which is a Squarespace website. And it was super easy, even though I don't know anything about how technology works. Yeah. And I did BriaGrant.com. If you're even worse with technology than we are, you can get 24-7 award-winning customer support from the nice folks at Squarespace. Exactly. Make it stand out. Stand out with a beautiful website from Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code GLASSES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's for the whole year. So that's wow. squarespace.com. Enter code GLASSES. GLASSES. 
Have you ever watched a movie so bad you just needed to talk to somebody about it? Well, here at the Flop House, we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. We'll watch it and we'll talk it. We do the hard work. Featuring the beautiful vocal talents of Dan McCoy. Stuart Wellington. And me, America's Rascal, Elliot Kalin. New episodes every other Saturday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast, dude. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week, it's all about pre-orders and library requests. One of the activities from the 2019 Reading Glasses Challenge is to pre-order a book or request it from your library. What does that mean, and why should you do it? First, a little history on pre-ordering. It's brief, because it hasn't been around for very long. Yeah, it it is kind of a new thing. Yeah, it's only been around since the early 2000s. So, you know what's weird, though? That was 20 years ago, almost world. Um, Dear God, is that why 2000s fashion is coming back in? Yeah, 100%. I don't, low oh. rise jeans, Mallory. Okay, low I thought we jeans. killed those motherfuckers and we they're coming burn back. Them all. I'll be wearing them in a year. Um, no, Bria, don't give in. So, in the early 2000s, places like Amazon and GameStop, so video games is another place where pre ordering is really important. That's the I other industry. Didn't know that. Yeah. So, in the early 2000s, places like Amazon and GameStop realized they could get a good idea of how popular something was going to be by looking at the pre-order. So that was what really started it. It wasn't this like thing now where it's like the pre-orders feed into where you end up on a bestseller list. Mm-hmm. So it was more about that. And then pretty soon for the, on the gaming side of things, these game developers saw that you could charge more money for a pre-order by giving an extra incentive, which we don't really do in the book world. No. But where you could go like, oh, if you get pay a little bit of extra and you pre-order it, you can get an extra game character. Or, you know, you can get an extra... Imagine if that happened with books. World. I don't know. I don't play video games. Uh, yeah, yeah. You get an like, extra character. They're like, you can get... One- <laughs> and you get a happier you get, ending. You get the, the final chapter and no one else does. That's funny. Um... At the same time, uh, books and things like that started offering offering discounts for pre-orders to encourage them even more. So, like, at first they were like, let's charge more for our pre-orders. And then, I don't know because I'm not – I don't follow the gaming world. Maybe they still charge more for pre-orders and you get these bonus things. But mm-hmm. for books, sometimes you'll get a discount for pre-ordering, wow. which is interesting. Yeah. All right. So, what is pre-ordering or requesting from your library? So, pre-ordering a book is just placing an order for a book before it comes out. And that often means that you'll get it in the mail or be able to pick it up from the bookstore on the day that it comes out. Yeah. So you pay for it ahead of time, and that sale will count for the book's first week sales, which is the most important time for a book. We've talked about this before, and it's just like that's what publishers look at. That's like when – how they see – uh, how, that's how they measure how well a book does. And so in requesting a book from your library is similar, but for you, it's the free version. So the library buys that book, so it is available on the day the book comes out. Sometimes. Sometimes they buy it later, which is interesting. Oh. Um, if, like, I requested it, I'll request something, and then, like, six months after later, it'll come out and they'll have bought it. So maybe enough people have put in, put in that request. The thing about the library is, though, you don't necessarily get it on the day it comes out. If it's a popular book, which most of these books are— or if you're not the person, first person to request it, which you probably aren't. That's why it's good to request it from your library early on. You got to request it really early because then you get put on, you get it immediately. Because as we've talked about with library digital copies or with even with physical copies, there's only so many. Yeah. There's only, you know, they order 10 of those books. They give it to the first 10 people and then you have to wait the three weeks before you can get it or however far down you are on the list. There's been books I pre-ordered from the library and I'm like, oh my God, 
I it comes out and I am six months in. That's it's crazy. Like, it's like, because it's just such a popular book and they didn't yeah. order that many. Sometimes it goes down once they realize how many people have pre-ordered it. Yes, which but, is again another like all of this is reasons to request it as soon as possible because you're showing the library and the publisher that you're interested in this book. You are earlier in line to get that motherfucker, which yeah. is great, and you don't have to wait as long. Yeah. So where do you pre-order or request? Um, so online stores, any place, your Amazon, your Barnes & Nobles, they all have a pre- way to pre-order. IndieBound will actually link you to your local stores where you can pre-order it. And those stores will either ship it to you or call you when it's ready to be picked up. So that's super rad and a nice way to support your local bookstores. Um, you can request a book on the library's website, as we've been talking about. You can search for the book. Um, there used to be, usually be a link to request it. In mine, because um, uh, everybody's is sort of different, but mine, when I type in a book, it, it will, like, not show up in the general book searches, but I go all the way down, scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page, and it'll have books that they don't own, and it will, you can request it right there. And I just write, you, you don't call it request at my library, you call it recommend. And they limit you. You can only recommend a certain number per week, just so you know. Um, and if for some reason it's not on the library's website, it's the fucking library. Yeah. You can call them. Call call your local librarian and say, hey, this is a book I really want. Can you get this for me? I can't find it on your website. And a lot of times they can. Librarians are gonna are there for you. They are there to help you. Um, for comic books, um, you can go to your local comic book store or you can call. If you like a particular series, you can have a pull list, which we've talked about in past episodes, which is like a, a pre-order, but it's just a monthly purchase order for whatever comic you're into. But if for some reason it's coming out just in graphic novel form, like let's say someone in this room who's talking right now or out a full graphic novel mm-hmm. and not a, you know, a monthly comic, you can also ask for that and they can pre-order that for you. So why does this matter? So pre-orders and library requests are a, the lifeblood of a book publicity and marketing plan, especially if you are an author who isn't like a Stephen King who has a mass following. Uh, so if there are a lot of pre-orders and requests, this tells the publisher that there's a lot of interest in the book, so they'll be more likely to book this author for events, submit them for interviews, for publications. Remember, publishing is a business. So pre-orders and requests say that this book will make money. So plus pre-orders and requests count for the book's first week sales. Mm-hmm. So the more pre-requests and pre-orders, the higher the first week will be. That looks really good for the author and will sell future books. So this is literally the best possible. Besides like positively reviewing a book, it's the best way you can support an author if you want to see them in your city if you want them to write more books if you want to see their book everywhere this is the way that you do it yeah i am a big proponent of pre-ordering from the library obviously i think it's a way you can save a little bit of money you don't have to buy every book um so since starting the show though i've learned a lot more about public publishing and i now try to focus on pre-ordering from smaller presses because they're usually going to buy those bigger books anyway. Yeah. So like I, I'm like, oh, this comes out on Soft Skull. This comes out on like a smaller press. So I'm going to make sure that book I pre-order before I pre-order the book from a huge publishing house because those ones tend to end up at the yeah, library everyone anyway. Knows the li- no, you don't need to help out Michelle Obama's Becoming by pre-ordering. Someone is pre-ordering that. You yeah. don't have to do that. <laughs> but I think it's a great way to help out smaller authors that I love or just that I'm interested in. I don't have yeah. to have read the book. Uh, or even know who they are, but if I'm just, like, interested in this book and I've read on io9 that's coming out in February or March, which is where I get a lot of my my sci-fi news from, um, then I'm going to try to pre-order it. Um, Also, just, like, like I said before, you get at the top of that list. So either wait list, which there's always a wait list for, like, these new books at the library, you can get higher up there if you go ahead and pre-order it because they're going to put you immediately on the wait list. Hell yeah. So, yeah, I pre-order books all the time. I like doing it through IndieBound. Um... 
our local bookstore, my local bookstore, last bookstore does not pre- do pre-orders, but Skylight Books does. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Skylight. We love them very much. I was uh, there last night. So if I hear about a book, like on a podcast or I'm a fan of the author, I will pre-order it uh, from Skylight. I follow a lot of authors on social media. And believe me, if an author has a book up for pre-order, they're more than likely have links to it on their website. It's such a great way to support them. They want you to do that. And also for me, sometimes I'll forget. And then like, boom. It's like getting a magical book present in the mail or like I get it's I love getting that call from Skylight when they're like, hey, Mallory, you have a book that, that you go to pick up and then you go to the bookstore and you have a book there. That Is you that already- your impression of a bookseller at Skylight? Yeah. Do it again. <laughs> Mal- hey, hey Mallory hey Mallory uh, it's pal. like the most like softest like phone sex hotline it's a book for, sex hotline for me that is a book that, that is it's, what getting that is what pre-orders are is a book sex hotline because it's good for you it's good for the author it's good for the book <laughs> it's good for everybody and it's amazing because uh, last time I pre-ordered a book I went there and I forgot that I you know when you pre-order it you already pay for it so oh, you go to the bookstore a- and you already have a book there waiting for you you have to, don't have to pay for it it's amazing same digitally like when I get a book on my Kindle I'm like oh that book just it just shows up like a ghost you weren't prepared about but we're are excited to see a happy ghost a happy ghost shows up right there on your on your kindle so bria what book are you pre-ordering for the reading glasses challenge um so a book i actually purchased and pre-ordered was city in the middle of the night ebook by charlie jane anders because i love charlie jane anders and i want to read this book and i've heard about it on several podcasts already and it was on like all the like sci-fi like books you should look forward to yeah, this year. yeah it's a big buzzy it, book this yeah year. yeah so i'm excited i already got it but i'm mid another book but i'm gonna probably read it very soon probably next um i will also i'm going to tell you what i've recommended to the library lately because this is a list. big thing for me i do recommend it recommended i do i do recommendations every week the librarians are like here comes bria grant yeah they're like she must be editing her podcast because while i'm (laughs) editing the podcast i go through and i see what i i have my list of books that i want to recommend and then i go through and see what they have and what i need to recommend so here's just some some that are on my recommendations right now that i some of them have been bought already um but some of them haven't so the complete Benti series, which is out, and I think they've already bought it, and I think I'm on the waiting list. Yeah, it's like a it's an omnibus of all the Benti books. Yeah, um, the test by Sylvain Nouvelle. Who we I'm, just got an arc of that. Oh, you did? Yeah, you want it? Yeah, because you know what? I'm still oh, I'm on the wait list, but I recommend it. You're not fast it. enough. I know, listeners. You guys, you got to be fast at the the. <sighs> I, I don't know. Not the it's not the wheel of the. I guess fast on the draw. Fast on that draw. Fast on that button yeah. pushing. That button. Poking. Um, your favorite band cannot save you, which is uh, a tour dot com release. Um, and then something called Snow White learns witchcraft by Theodora like, Goss. It seemed really cool, and so I pre-ordered that from the library recently. Yeah, Theodora Goss. Uh, it's she's the one who wrote um, the Strange Case of the Alchemist Daughter. Oh, I liked that book. I didn't realize it was the same author. Yep, I liked that book a lot. Yeah, well. It's very good. Okay, good. well, that's what I pre-ordered. What, what are you doing for this challenge? I did, uh, so I'm a huge fan of Lindy West, who wrote Shrill, uh, and she has a new book coming out in May called The Witches Are Coming, mm. and I'm so fucking excited for it. I love her so much, and so this is a book, it's like a look at pop culture, so it's a, like how but how the patriarchy has affected it. Oh, cool. And like how we deal with that and how it's been reflected in pop culture and like what to do about it. Mm-hmm. So like I'm basically here for Lindy West's thoughts on anything. Yeah. She could tell me like her favorite types of crackers and I would be fucking you're here like, for it. You're like pre-order those crackers right now. Yeah, gotta get those crackers. So those crackers. Basically I would have pre-ordered anything but her writing about how patriarchy has affected the culture I was like take my money. Like I think I pre-ordered it the day it came out for pre-order and I like had been checking waiting. Wow. Okay. I pre-ordered it, but I think before- You were ready to pre- You, were, you like, pre-ordered the pre-order. You, like, trumped the pre-order. Oh. You, like, you were, like, oh, yeah. ready to go. I think I pre-ordered it before they even revealed the cover. Wow. 
I was like, give me that shit. So you can send your thoughts on pre-orders and requests to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, before we talk to Don Juan Song, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back, and thank you, Dan, for that scathing report. As you know, Max Fun Drive is coming up March 18th to March 29th, which has some folks pretty excited. But as families around the world get ready to celebrate this season of giving, community, and quality podcasts, some are wondering if it's just too much. Are they, though? They are. Some people are all for comedy and culture, but with 45 shows offering hundreds of hours of bonus content, plus all the Max Fun meetups taking place around the world, some people think it's too much. While other people think it sounds totally awesome. I took my granddaughter to the mall to get her picture taken, and the mall pod ferry was short. And I, you know, I'm just gonna say it, I'm sorry, but everyone knows the pod ferry is tall. Well, I think we should just leave it there. <laughs> Until next time, here's the news you need to know. Max Fun Drive runs from March 18th through 29th. Be sure to listen to all of your favorite podcasts. I know I will. Okay, so here we are with literary agent Dongwon Song. Dongwon, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, it's great to be here. What are you reading right now? Uh, I'm reading a few things at the moment, as I often do. Um, I'm in the middle of Tana French's uh, The Witch Elm, which Ugh. is fantastic. <laughs> um, she's incredible, one of the best. Um, I just started Jen Lyon's Rune of Kings, which just came out, and it's sort of this big epic fantasy. And it's nice to dive back into something that feels a little old school epic fantasy in a fun way. Um, and then I'm listening to that on audio. So that's the thing I'm usually listening to when I'm commuting or running around. And, uh, I'm also reading this short story collection. Uh, it's called the Losum Bodybuilder by Yukiko Matoya. Um, and I don't know how I feel about it yet. So I'm trying <laughs> to make up my mind. So, <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about what you do as a literary agent? Uh, Yeah. Um, my job as a literary agent is is has a lot of different components. Um, the most obvious part, and th the part that I think people think about, is um, I'm out in the world trying to find writers, right? So I'm trying to find new clients um, and then help them sell their projects to publishers. Um, you know, in that process, I help them develop those projects. I do a lot of editorial work and and you know help them figure out what the pitch is. Um, but then I, I still work with them past the point that we sell the book. So a lot of what I do is um, helping jump in if there's a problem uh, in terms of the marketing or in terms of the sales or the cover or whatever it is. Um, so a lot of it is very tactical, responding to problems that come up. And then a lot of it is uh, very strategic, right? So I'm talking to a client, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? How are we going to get there? What kind of books do you want to write? How do we help you structure your life so that you can do all the things that you want to do without going crazy and have enough money to feed yourself, right? Um and so it's a lot of different components. Um, oh, and there's also the sub rights component. I'm working a lot in film and TV to help them, you know, uh, sell their books to producers and, and get those made, hopefully, into other media as well. So um, lots of different things is, is kind of uh, the way it all shakes out. And how many people are usually helping at a time with, with, when you're doing that kind of stuff? Um, I have sort of about 20, 25 clients total. Um, not all of them are active at the same point in time. Usually there's about 
eight to 10 people who are sort of front of mind at any given moment because they have a new project coming out or uh, they're turning a new manuscript in or they're a new client that I'm trying to work with. So people sort of cycle in and out naturally as, as they move through their publication cycle. Um, and, you know, so there's there's usually about half of them are super active and then about half of them are, are working on stuff in the background. Then a third or, or not a third, but, you know, there's another chunk that are that are usually working on very long-term stuff or, or uh, are kind of taking a, a backseat for the moment. So what does a typical day look for, look like for you? Um, tough question to answer because I really don't have any typical day. Um, <laughs> you know, as you might have noticed from the list of things I described that agents do, you know, none of those are regular, right? A lot of that is reactive because, you know, sometimes something's on fire and I have to go deal with that. Um and so my typical day will usually involve some component of, you know, do I have meetings that I have to go into Manhattan for to go meet with editors or whatever it is, you know, either for lunches or networking or to, you know, uh, go to a presentation at someone's office. Um, there's a lot of phone calls. I'm on the phone a lot in terms of, you know, either coordinating with, with my clients or coordinating with, um, you know, my co-agents either in L.A. or overseas. Um and then some days I just get to sit and read and edit, and that's always really nice too. So I, I really don't have a typical day. Um, I work from home a lot. I move around a lot. So, you know, it sort of is wherever I happen to be with whatever's on fire right now that I need to deal with. So what sort of books and clients really grab you? Um, the thing that I always, always look for is voice. Um, I can pretty much ride with anything that you're trying to do so long as you're doing it stylishly, right? Like um, the way people say something is always mm -hmm. going to be the thing that pulls me into it. Um, that said, you know, I also need a book to have a point. Um, the, the number of times I'll read a manuscript or even read a published book or watch a movie or something like that, and I'm like, okay, that was nice, but I don't know what the point of all that was, right? Like, <laughs> um you know, I, I just watched this like Swedish murder revenge thriller, which everything about it was like very well done and very well executed. But I got to the end of it and I was like, OK, a guy killed a bunch of guys. I don't know what I'm supposed to feel about any of this. Right. So I need I need a book. I need a story to like have a reason for me to be there. So you need to have that. And then you need to tell it in a way that's super interesting. And that's going to be what brings me in. And you've recently started putting out a newsletter. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes. Um, so I launched a newsletter in January of this year. Uh, there's a free component and there's also a paid component. Uh, you can subscribe to get the paid component. Um, the newsletter is called publishing is hard because which is true. <laughs> that's a thing that I know very, very well. And I want to communicate to a lot of people that like, you know, this shit's hard. Um, and the more we can talk about the fact that it's hard, the more I think we can get to like really interesting and productive conversations. Um, so the newsletter is a little, it's a little personal. It's a little about the industry, right? So there's an educational component to it, but it's all filtered through the lens of I've been doing this for a long time. Here's my experiences doing it. Here's my thoughts that are informed by those experiences, right? Um, I get a little frustrated, I think, as we all do with sort of the publishing advice you see on Twitter a lot of the times. Sometimes it's very generic. It can be very like, you must do it this one way, right? Or here's the one thing you need to understand to succeed or whatever it is. And none of that is true, right? Publishing is an entire industry that's full of contradictions, in part because it's also 
there's a lot of different ways to do things. There's a lot of people who do this business and it's been around for a long time. So there's going to be, there's never a magic bullet. There's just things you can do that might work or might not work or have trade-offs. And I wanted a little bit more of a, a, a long form venue to talk about these issues and a little bit of a closed environment that I can be a little bit more nuanced and not necessarily, you know, rah, rah, positivity all the time. Are there any things that you wish more people knew about the publishing industry? (laughs) Uh, A lot of things, which is sort of the point of the newsletter. Um, I think the one that I run into most often that I find myself explaining over and over again that, that people don't really understand is how important um, the sales force is, right? So when you're working in traditional publishing, there's a group of people whose job it is to go out to every bookseller in the country and be like, hey, you guys should get on board with this book and you should order this book. You should order end copies of it or whatever it is. Um, And it's sort of this large invisible team of people that are some of the most crucial people working on any given book. and you know there are these uh, these events that happen within the publisher that are uh, uh, each publisher has different terms of art for what these are called. They're either launch meetings or sales conferences or whatever it is. But it's an opportunity for the editors to go and talk to the sales force about the books that they're excited about. So these are really really critical meetings, and everything needs to be in line and ready to go. And the pitch needs to be really on point so that the sales force is then armed to go out and sell the book to all the booksellers, which determines how many copies you ship, which determines how many books you can possibly sell. So many books I see just die at this stage because people don't understand the importance of sales conference and the importance of the sales force in terms of getting ready to enter into a, a, you know, the selling season for a book. Um, and it's just a really important thing. And so a lot of decisions happen in that stage. And, you know, read or uh, authors will come back later and be confused about, I don't understand what happened in my book. I don't understand why this happened. And it's easy to look and be like, oh, that's because this, this, and this happened. Or, you know, this wasn't, this didn't happen in terms of prepping for sales conference or, you know, those kind of components. Or that author got to go meet people at, at you know, ALA or ABA or something like that. You know, Mallory, I know you just came back from ALA. Hell yeah. And, you know. I think you can sort of see how exciting and vital a moment like that is where you get to actually meet with the people who are going to be, you know, supporting your book and, and ordering copies of it. So it's so complicated. It is. It is. I mean, it's why people don't talk about it. Right. And yeah. I, even as I'm trying to explain it now, I'm finding myself sort of in the weeds immediately about like, wait, how do I actually explain this thing um, in a succinct way? But it's, it's this really crucial, vital component that I wish, you know, not necessarily the readers, but especially people who are writers and want to get into traditional publishing understood a little bit better. So can you tell us a little bit about your reading life? Do you have any reading quirks you want to share with us? <laughs> uh, the thing about being a literary agent or working in publishing is it kind of ruins your reading life sometimes because reading so much just becomes associated with work in a certain way. Or you always, I always have this guilt whenever I'm reading a physical book of like, oh, I should be reading a manuscript right now, right? I'm, spend, I'm sitting down, spending all this time reading something. It, I should be reading, you know, a client's manuscript or, you know, a submission or whatever it is. So um, the way I get around that is I listen to a lot of audiobooks, And for whatever reason, that sort of avoids triggering all my work guilt feelings. Um, and also it's a thing I can do while doing other things. So I can be, you know, playing a very repetitive video game and listening to an audiobook, so that even when I'm trying to relax, I'm still working, which is optimal. 
Um, <laughs> or, you know, like if I'm out for a run or washing the dishes or whatever, I can listen to an audiobook and sort of catch up on what's happening out there um, and, and get some reading in as well. So what's your book wheelhouse? What subjects or tropes will like immediately get you to pick up a book? Um, I'm less drawn to like specific tropes, but like I, I, in thinking about this question, I do have a few, uh, you know, found families always get me um, and, and sort of family themes generally. Like if your book has like really good dads in it or like a really Aww. good sibling relationship <laughs> um, good dads. or like a mom who's like super supportive of her son, I'm like, I'm in. Right, like, I'm gonna have way too many feelings about this thing. Um, so, like, good families that are like interesting and nuanced. Um, you know, I, I definitely like stuff that has darker themes but doesn't cross the line into exploitation, uh, which is like a really hard sweet spot to find. Right, like I often find like it's either like too light and there's nothing serious enough, or like it's very grim dark, and I'm like, wait, I didn't ask for any of this. Um, so, I think finding stuff that's like right in that slot of, of dark enough but like not mean is uh really where i like to be nice so where can we find you online and subscribe to your newsletter yeah uh well to find me online the easiest place is probably twitter i spend too much of my life there and i'm just at dongwon d-o-n-g-w-o-n there um and then to subscribe to the newsletter um go to publishing is hard dot substack s-u-b-s-t-a-c-k dot com so uh and you can sign up there thank you so much for joining us great thank you guys so much Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Isla writes in, I'm going to be going off to college this fall and I know I can't bring all my books with me. As an avid rereader, how do I choose which books to bring with me into a smaller space? Bria, what should she do? I think this is very important because you go to college and you get to reinvent yourself at college. Who are you? Are you like a cool kid hit with hip books? Are you a feminist lady with lady books? Are you a sci-fi nerd with like all sorts of comic books? I think curating it so when people walk into your dorm room or a studio apartment, which is basically the same thing, people look at it at your bookshelf and they're like, yeah, this is my new best friend. Or they're like, yeah, this is what I, this is the person I want to be like, friends look with. look how fucking cool this person yeah. is. So I think you should take books that represent... Not only who you were, but also who you want to be. And I am not advocating that you be a fake. Like, these are books you already own. I'm not saying that they 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 are not... No, I'm not saying advocating buying all new books. But you, yeah, but you get to show your own highlight reel. It's, it's your highlight. This is the Instagram of your book, of your book collection, right? You get to go and you, you can take books that you have read, books you're planning to read. I think that's also totally mm-hmm. fine. But it's basically like, this is the person I want to be. And this is the person I want people to see me as. And this is, and then you only reread those books. And you're going to become that person anyway. It sounds like I'm advocating for some fakeness, and I'm totally not. I think no, it's, I'm advocating I, no. for you to like do push in the direction that the you want to be. Yeah, I think like like there's certain books like that I have in my living room versus books that I have like other places in my house because I want people to see the books in my living room as. <laughs> Books extremely cool people read volumes mm-hmm. one through ten. <laughs> <laughs> you are not cool enough for this book. <laughs> um, but I just think that, like, go through, I'm not saying, like, you Marie Kondo this shit, but kind of. Where in, but instead of, like, does this bring me joy? Marie you're like, cool, though, it. <laughs> I'm going to be the coolest person ever. I remember doing this when I went to college. I picked out the books that I was like, okay, these are, like, my sci-fi books. Actually, I did it when I moved to LA too. Where I was like, I'm going to bring my sci-fi books, I'm bring my feminist books, and I'm going to bring some of my comic collection. And that's and who you else. are now. It really it worked. Is. It totally worked, and it was who I was then. But I had a lot of books less left over from college yeah. that I was like, I didn't like these books. Yeah. But I'm dragging them around with me because I feel like I think we, 
think we bought them, so we have to keep them, and you do not have to keep them. Bring the books that are your new, cool college self. Yep. That's what I say. What do you say? So, first off, congrats on going to college. Oh, yeah, congrats. Very exciting. Uh, so, my tip for this is actually a mix. So, uh, I think they should be books that you really want to read. So, like Bria said, books that you want to be. Maybe you're like, man, I've never read. Like she hasn't read. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think they should be a mix of books that, like, okay, maybe you bought some, and you're like, ah, I, you know, I want to be a cool feminist, so I, I I bought this Bell Hook book, but I never read it. So grab books that you really want to read and some favorites that are comfort rereads. Mm-hmm. So if you were like me in college, you don't have a ton of money to spend on new books, get your library card, uh, but grab a handful of books that you think you're going to love and you really want to read and you think are you want to bring in your new direction in life. Like, you know, like like Bria said, like cool, whatever, like cool philosophy books or cool sci-fi books or like something that you like think is going to be on the road to your new place in life. But also comfort reads, you're going to need them. College is crazy. You're away from home. You're going to get stressed out. Things are things are happening. Hormones are everywhere, like crazy clouds. Pick some books that you love, even if they're not super cool. You can hide them under their bed. Pick some books that you love and always make you happy. Maybe ones that you've re- reread a million times. I've read uh, reread Stardust by Neil Gaiman probably fifty times. You know, because you're just gonna, you know, when you're having a long, lonely night and you're stressed out and you're studying for things, you're gonna want that book friend with you. Pull it out from under the mattress and reread it. So yeah, I try to. I, I think you should do a mix. I like that you think hormones travel in clouds. Oh, when yeah. I think of them, I think of them as like the smell of, of a pie in a cartoon. That's exactly what I think. Like, yeah. a, like where no, it's like almost like a snake wafting yeah, and it goes into the air. your nostril. And then it goes into your nostrils and then you like for some reason float up in the air and your feet dangle around. Yeah, you know but instead of about? going to get a sandwich, you're going to get beer and naked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, uh, quick update on uh, the kind of pajamas that make me laugh. Um, <laughs> wow. uh, the ones with the butt flap. How come no one told me that that's what the guy from the Umbrella Academy is wears. <laughs> I still haven't seen Umbrella Academy. You gotta watch it. It's this in the pilot. Flap? It's in the but, first episode. But he has flaps. a butt flap and I laughed out loud and then I was like, why did no one Why did no one send me this screen, screen grab? Oh, do, do we get updates on what he does in them? Uh, just walks around them. No, we still have. And, then, and then you never see them again as far as I, so far where I am. Because I want to know if it's like you pull it down really far to pee or you get completely disrobed. I think you got to get disrobed. It has buttons in the front, too, but I think you get disrobed. See, that's why I'll never wear a romper. <laughs> you'll never catch me. If that, that'll be like, you know, if I'm, you'll know that I got taken over by an alien if I'm wearing a romper. If you see me wearing a romper, murder me because I'm a, not mad. I love a romper. Anymore. I don't mind getting naked to pee. It's fine. Oh, no. <laughs> then you're even more vulnerable. What the, then you're screwed. A serial killer comes in. Not only are you on the toilet, but you're nude. I'd fight them nude. It would be shocking. It would be so shocking. They would be like, what's happening? And they'd be so surprised because I'm naked. There's this lady, naked, strong lady covered in her own (laughs) urine, just coming at me. Um, So if you want us to solve your reader problem or answer your bookish question, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember that you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. You can show off your love of reading and support us and help us feed our terrible cats. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us. It helps us reach more listeners. It helps us get cool guests. It just is like the best thing you can do for us that is free. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. And if you're curious about what other people are doing for the Reading Glasses 2019 Reader Challenge, follow uh, hashtag readingglasseschallenge. Thanks for listening, and thanks Thanks for for reading. reading. 
In the early 20th century, the Congress of our great nation debated a glorious plan to resolve a meat shortage in America. The idea was this, import hippos and raise them in Louisiana's bayous. The hippos would eat the ruinously invasive water hyacinth, and the American people would eat the hippos. Everyone would go home happy. Well, except the hippos. They'd go home eaten. Much to everyone's disappointment, Congress didn't follow through on the plan, and today America lives a cursed life, a beef life, with nary a free-range hippo within the borders of our country. Reader, this is an actual, literal thing that almost happened. The hippos are not a metaphor. You should investigate hippo ranching for yourself. As much as I'd like to call this novella the definitive text on the matter, it is most assuredly fiction. With that in mind, I caved into my desire to make this a hippo cowboy romp and fiddled with some dates. I shifted everything back by about 50 years and took some liberties with what technology existed at the time in order to fit this story to the time period. I regret nothing. It was worth it for the hats alone. For actual facts about hippo ranching, check out John Mualem's fabulous piece in the Atavis magazine, American Hippopotamus. Yours in dreams of the America that might have been. Sarah Gailey. The foreword to River of Teeth. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.